0: Well, today, we're going to look at a story of a walk on wide receiver at USC. We're going to compare his story of getting off the sidelines and getting into a game to a blind man that Jesus heals on the side of the road. So, my hope is that we would be encouraged by the scriptures today to be willing to get off the sideline ourselves and into the game. That's the goal. We're going to state it right up front. Let's pray. God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open up our minds, lead us into your truth that we might better open up our hearts and our hands for the sake of Jesus Christ and Christ's mission in the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So this summer, Corinne was reading this book, our daughter, uh, and it's called Walk On by Ben Malcolmson. Has anyone heard it? Katie has, (laughs) because we we read it. Um, No one's read this yet, so any people, USC people, Dustin... I'm surprised as a USC fan, you haven't heard of this book yet. Like, my, oh, my USC friends, what's that? Did they make a movie out of it? I don't know. <laughs> 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 what do they do. I'll uh, sure let you know. don't <laughs> 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 What, you don't read or what? <laughs> they don't teach that at USC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that was good. Right. oh, I hope that makes the recording day. <laughs> That would seriously make my whole day up. I'm going to listen for this tomorrow and see if that <laughs> comment makes it. Um, so this guy, uh, when I read today's text about this blind beggar who goes from sitting on the sidelines, literally sitting on the side of the road, to, to getting into the game, I thought of this book that Corinne, she handed me the book this summer when we were on vacation. And she's like, Dad, I really think you should. You need to read this book. It's like, if your kid ever says that to you, read the book. right? Uh, yeah. So I did. Um, and so this guy Ben, he grew up in Dallas, Texas, he ran track and cross country. This guy was a peewee football dropout. Fifth grade was the last time he played any kind of football, right? Fifth grade. So he goes to USC, um, he's a senior, he's never participated in any sports. Instead, he's a writer for the newspaper, the Daily Trojan, he became the sports editor. So as a sports editor, this guy was, like, trying to get inside of sports. Like, he would go, you know, he was thinking about trying, trying out for the USC football team in order to get, like, this real insider's perspective on what this walk-on program, how difficult it was to walk on to a major school like USC. So he appro- approaches Coach Pete Carroll, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'd really like to try it out just as a newspaper reporter for this story that I'm doing for the Daily Trojan. And Pete Carroll's like, yeah, sure, you can try it out. Um, and so he goes and he tries out, and the coaches were laughing at him at the tryout. They were calling him the newspaper guy. Um, and after two days of tryouts, he runs into this friend who says, "Your name is on the list of people that made the team." And he said he couldn't breathe, and he ran to the list, and sure enough, like his name was actually on the list of people that made the USC football team. Um, he thought it was a joke. So Pete Carroll, for people that know him, he's a real prankster. Um, like the time when I think he was known for this like he had Will Farrell come to one of his practices yeah. dressed him up in uniform and put a helmet on and all of a sudden these guys running around going crazy at their practices until he took off the helmet and everybody realized it's Will Farrell. <laughs> so Ben like he's thinking oh this is just a prank he's just pulling one over on me um, and it wasn't a joke Carol, P. P- Carroll wasn't joking so he makes the scout team which basically means this guy is never going to play in a game yeah. he's going to practice Um, on the team but he's never going to get in but something happened with one play left in the final home game of the senior season against Notre Dame Coach Carroll calls Ben Malcolmson and he puts him in at wide receiver and so they called the play this is kind of fun, they called the play I ride victory on one and so Ben ran onto the field and he's like I've never heard of this play before. (laughs) He had absolutely no idea what the play was. And this play wasn't even in the playbook. So he had studied the playbook. He's a smart kid. And he goes on the field. He has no idea what he's supposed to do. Well, if I ride victory on one, it's really simple. The quarterback takes a knee, and everyone else just stands there. The wide receiver just stands there. It's USC's victory formation. The game is over, right? And this guy, like, kind of runs. and makes a little bit of a fool out of himself, but he, but he gets in. Um, and it's like, I love this story. He doesn't catch the winning touchdown. He's not a hero. Um, but he, he was in on a real play. Like, he's forever in the official scorebook, and that's something that he said could never be taken away from him. When they talked to him, and he wrote about this in the book, he said that going from the sidelines and getting into the game was what he called a storybook ending. And it's like, ever since graduation, this is how great this guy is. He's worked for Pete Carroll since the day he graduated. He worked for him at USC, and then Pete Carroll brought him to Seattle to work for the, uh, the Seahawks too. Um, So this guy's been with Pete Carroll ever since Now there's a ton of walk-ons out there We have one in our family Which is probably why we were all reading the book Um, But the reason I wanted to talk about this guy is, And we'll come back to him at the end Is the importance of his faith And so what he said when he wrote the book Was that he wanted to inspire other people To discover their purpose in life And he talked a lot about the fact That it was his overwhelming sense of God's presence with him That was the thing that kept driving him Mm -hmm. forward So we're going to take a look at a story about a different man in scripture who literally went from the side of the roads. We're thinking sidelines into the game, right? Hopefully that's clear by now. We're going to see this guy go from the sidelines and get into the game. So this is from Mark 10, 46 to 52. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples in a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. This guy, Bartimaeus, this is kind of cool. He's the only person healed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John who's actually given a name. There's something special about this this event and this person. There's something special about this guy, Bartimaeus, and this story serves as kind of this high point on Mark's teaching about faith and discipleship. And so right away, we should be able to see what's going on. The irony here is that this blind guy named Bartimaeus actually sees more clearly than those with perfect vision. Right? So we, just, we, we see that. We can see this right up front. This guy, he sees and knows things that even those closest to Jesus who are supposed to understand, uh, they, they seem to not get it while this guy does. So we're going to use four really simple words that help us follow the story. The four words, these things are all demonstrated. They're lived out. We'll see this from Bartimaeus mm-hmm. as we walk through these things. And the four words are understanding, persistence, expectation, and asking. So it'll be really simple. All right? So Jesus and his disciples, along with this large crowd, can almost picture like a parade of people following Jesus outside of the city of Jericho. We'll probably use that word parade a few times. And so this segment is the final segment on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. They pass through the city of Jericho. It's one of the oldest inhabited cities on earth. And as they leave, Jericho actually sits about almost 1,000 feet below sea level, and they begin this 3,500 foot climb to Jerusalem, and they encounter on the side of the road this blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, sitting on the side of the road where he always was begging. So, this guy, like when you think about him, he's the quintessential picture of a marginalized person. He's sitting quite literally daily on the sidelines. This guy is the ultimate outsiders. And so the so-called insiders, they're the ones that are following Jesus out of the city of Jericho. They encounter this guy who shouts out at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so with this outburst, what what the gospel writer is trying to say is that Bartimaeus knows exactly who Jesus is. He calls him son of David, and the thing to think about here is the Messiah was to come out of the royal line of King David, right? So what Mark is trying to say is, ooh, this guy actually knows who Jesus is, right? And so, he gets it. Despite his blindness, he actually sees what those closest to Jesus don't see. What he lacks in eyesight, he makes up for in insight, right? And so, this big surprise, the thing that disappointed me the most about this story is the reaction of the crowd disgusted me. when I. The more I looked at this, I was almost getting angry at the reaction of the crowd. Like, these people are trying to shut this guy up. Instead of standing in solidarity with him, instead of advocating on his behalf, instead of trying to help this man, they try to keep this marginalized man right where he is. They want him to stay right where he is, on the sidelines, out of the game. They want this man to remain invisible. They want him to remain unheard and so they want to be able to walk right on past him as if he does not exist. We should all have some experience with that, right? How often have we done the same thing? And it's like, I was to think, well, what's wrong with us that we sometimes want people to remain in their own misery? As if this guy deserved to suffer the way that he was suffering. And it just appears that the crowd really believed that he deserved to be exactly where he was. That maybe this was his God-given lot in life. They want him to remain silent. They want him to stay in his lane. They want him to stay in his place. They don't want him to to have to deal with this man as an equal. And they definitely don't want to mess up the good thing that they have going with Jesus. Now, I want to be able to say that I would be on the right side of this one. But again, because it's Mark's Gospel... I have to ask myself the really tough questions. I'm not sure where I would have been. If you were in the crowd, how would you have felt about this guy who's disrupting this parade of people following Jesus outside the city of Jericho? But listen to this. The best part is he doesn't even hear the crowds. He doesn't pay him any attention. He's not even phased by it. This is his big chance. He hears Jesus is in town. He shouts all the louder. He persists. Despite all these hindrances, all these people that are trying to stop him from coming to Jesus, he's not going to be deterred. They try to keep him silent, but nothing is going to stop this guy from being seen or heard by Jesus. The opposition just serves to make him try all the harder, right? And what does Jesus do? Oh, this is amazing. It just says, really simply, it says, Jesus stops. He stops. And with him, this whole parade of people just comes to a screeching halt. With the great throngs of people demanding a piece of Jesus, he allows this poor, powerless man to stop him in his tracks. The man, think about this, this man now has the full attention of the Son of God. It's amazing right here. It's like when I got to this part of the story... I was so satisfied, and I almost, he could have stopped right here for me. This man stops Jesus in his tracks. But it gets better. Jesus calls him over. And then Mark kind of flashes this little detail that is really important that previously, I, most of the time, I just glossed right over. In his excitement, what does he do? He flings off of his coat. He flings it off, and he leaves it behind. And it's like, why does Mark tell us that he leaves his coat and runs. He says he springs to his feet. This guy can't see. He springs to his feet and he runs to Jesus. He leaves his coat behind. Why is this detail in the story? It's there because blind Bartimaeus fully expected transformation. He expects that his status is about to change. Think about his coat. This is probably the thing that he sat on every single day. It may have been the one possession that this man had that allowed him to stake out a little piece of the earth. Think about a beach blanket, okay? That this guy sets up on the side of the road every single day and probably just sits on this blanket every day. He tosses away his coat because he knows that his physical and his economic problems are about to disappear. This is the kind of expectation that he had. He throws away his only coat because he knows he's never going to need it again. He knows he's never going to be seated by the side of this road ever again. So he's not going to need that coat. He fully expects that things are about to change because of his encounter with Jesus. And so Jesus says to him, what do you you want me to do for you? Now, if you were here last week, this is the exact same question that Jesus asked his two disciples, James and John. Any people that were here, hopefully you remember this. Jesus asked James and John, What do you want me to do for you? And what did they ask for? Anybody remember? They asked for positions of glory, positions of honor, one at Jesus' right hand and one at his left, right? They asked for the wrong things because they don't understand who Jesus really is. Contrast that with Bartimaeus. He asks for ordinary health, right? When asked, he wants what most people have. He wants what most of us have. He just wants to see. He doesn't ask for wealth or power, prestige, positions of glory. He doesn't ask to be superhuman. He just asks to be more normal, right? The things that we take for granted. It's like when life is good, when things are well, this seems like the bare minimum. But you think about it. When you're sick or hurting, normalcy may be God's greatest gift. And this is really important to this man. And so, Jesus seeing this man, he sees him not as a nuisance. He doesn't see him as a problem. We I mean, think about this. This is important. He doesn't see him as an it. He sees him as a human, as a person. And he tells him, go. Super important. Jesus just commands me. He just says, go. That this man's faith has made him well. And this is the best stuff right here. Where does the guy go? Who can now see? Maybe for the first time. Where does he go? Think about it. Like, this guy didn't have a guide dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, where's he going to go? He didn't have, you know, traffic, the beeping traffic signals to help him cross the road. Like, he had been consigned to this spot on the side of the road maybe for his entire life. For God knows how many long years, how many thousands of hours, how many millions of minutes. What did this, where the heck is this guy going to go? You know, it's like now all of a sudden, he can go wherever he wants. The world has opened up to him for the first time. Like, where would you go? I'd go to a Laker lake I think. <laughs> I was, like, thinking about this. and like, I'd go to the Redwood Forest in Big Sur. I'd go to the Grand Canyon. I'd want to see all the, like, natural wonders of the world, things that people have been telling me about, you know? Um, maybe I'd go get a job. Maybe I'd go buy a house. Maybe I'd go to a fancy restaurant. There's My list of places I would want to go would be a mile long. And where does this guy go? Like, and, and think about this last thing, too. What about this crowd? If it were me, I'd want to run away from this crowd as fast as I could. These people that have been walking by me my whole life, people that had silenced me and shunned me, relegated me to the sidelines, I'd want to get away from them as fast as possible. These aren't my people. You know what I'm saying? And what does this guy do? He goes, all right, but he says, the scripture says he goes with Jesus. Who else, who else was with Jesus? The crowd. This guy gets up, he can see for the first time, he joins the parade of people that shunned him and did all this stuff to him, perhaps for years and years and years. He follows Jesus, it says, on the way to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem, he's going to journey with Jesus. Maybe, if you just think about this, maybe this guy journeyed all the way to the cross with Jesus. We don't know. He very well might have. That's what I think it means when Mark says that. And the best part is, is this guy sees the road ahead. He knows it's not going to be easy, and he chooses to follow. He chooses to go anyway. So we think about questions like, what does this story about Bartimaeus teach a 21st century disciple of Christ, right? And so i want to just do a couple quick things. First, just a one-sentence word of caution, and then a few thoughts on where we go with this. The caution first. The story isn't teaching us that if we just believe a little bit that we're going to be healed of the things that hail us, right? That's not what this story is about. I think we all know that, but I just feel like I need to say it. Faith in Jesus will make us well. And here's the thing about this word that Mark uses with Bartimaeus. This Greek word also means saved, right? It has kind of double double meanings. And so what Mark is trying to say for Bartimaeus is that there's both this physical dimension to his healing and there's also a spiritual dimension to this man's healing, Right? And so faith in Jesus leads to discipleship, it leads to something. It's a big word, it's a big Christian word, um, but we're going to make it really, really simple. And we're going to say it like this, whoever welcomes Jesus, whoever comes to faith in Jesus, whoever places their trust in Jesus like Bartimaeus did, they just must be willing to follow Jesus. It's that simple. We're talking about discipleship, which means following after Jesus. Jesus, And so the road to Jericho, to Jerusalem, literally an uphill climb, 3,500 feet. Um, Mark also uses this uphill climb metaphorically, too. So it's physically going to be challenging, but it's metaphorically going to be even more challenging. The last leg of the journey for Jesus is going to be by far the most difficult, right? By far the most challenging. And it would also be for those who followed him there. This agonizing road that we might remember Jesus even prayed and said, God, is is there a different road we could take? We really need to take this one? And God said, Yeah, this is the road. And Jesus walks that road, right? And so the beauty in this story with Bartimaeus is, is his transformation. Here's a guy who was transformed from a beggar on the side of the road to a disciple on the road with Jesus. From a periphery to the main stage, from an outsider to an insider. Ben Malcolmson, in, we're going to come back to him for a moment, the USC guy. He was on the sidelines, and for one play, he got into the game. But the book was about a lot more than that. As a disciple of Jesus, he was actually talking in his book about trying to do the same thing. He wanted to get in the game as a follower of Christ, too. But he had a really hard time. While he was on the team, he tried to start a Bible study. Nobody showed up. He then formed a prayer group that failed, too. Nobody showed up. So then he came up with this crazy idea on Christmas Eve that he was going to buy a box of Bibles and put a Bible in all of his teammates' lockers and surprise them on Christmas Eve. Like, how many of you think that that's going to go well? Anybody care? Like, I read that in the book, and I was, like, chuckling. I'm like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I'm the pastor. Like, I should like this idea, but I didn't. And sure enough, that too failed, or so he thought, at least at first. He comes into the locker room. There's shredded Bible pages all over the floor of the locker room. The guys got their Bible, they ripped the pages out of it, they crumpled them up and they threw them on the floor. Like he was devastated when he saw what, what they did and just desecrated the scripture. He was crushed. He thought he was a failure. Mario Daniel was the kicker on the team. He was this fun-loving kid. He was also one of Ben's closest friends. And during that season, this kid mysteriously just he passed away. Mm. A couple day, games after the Rose Bowl, and Ben was heartbroken. And at the funeral service, he was surprised. As they carried him in, on top of this casket was the Bible oh. that he had placed in his locker, right? And so then it, it, this story, just a few years later, it, it comes back you know, full circle. It's just incredible. A few years later, he ran into another former teammate who was playing in the NFL somewhere I and mean, he was on one of his trips, uh, who told them that he had actually seen this kid, Mario, pouring through the pages of the Bible, sitting in his locker while everyone else was Tearing those pages out and throwing them down, one guy was reading it. And so he sat down with this kid and he started telling them and sharing the love of Jesus with this kid, who's and, and the and the friend that he ran into said that this kid was so moved by this that he began a relationship with God and like just like three days later he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know, I was thinking when I first read the idea of putting the Bible in blockers, lockers, I was thinking to myself, like, this is a terrible idea. This is not gonna work, you know? And what is God doing? God's rescuing even in the failure. God's healing in the midst of pain. God is saving even when all things seem to be lost. Why? Because Ben and this guy, Taylor, two disciples of Jesus, they got off the sidelines into the they, they They did something, right? They joined Jesus on the road, and because of what they did, healing and transformation and, and salvation become real possibilities for someone else. And so God uses followers of Jesus to shape and to change this world one person at a time for those that are willing to get off the sidelines and into the game. And so I think that Mark is using the story of Bartimaeus to encourage us to, uh, those of us who place our trust in Jesus, to get off the sidelines, to enter enter into the game and to join Jesus on the way, knowing full well that that way is not going to be easy. And so he shows us what a disciple looks like. A disciple understands they look at Jesus, they, they know who he is, they're persistent that even when there's obstacles and challenges and things like that disciples of Christ find a way to, to stay after it. They expect, fully expect that when we encounter Jesus, a disciple fully expects to be transformed by this relationship. And then ask. He asked for the right stuff and so often we ask for the wrong thing. And then the fifth word, which is could have put, save for last, is follow. Jesus tells him to go, and he goes. His going is following. he follows Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. I would, if people, this is the kind of stuff that would be really fun to talk about. If anybody was ever interested in talking about, even considering placing their trust in Jesus for the first time, this is the kind of stuff that would be wonderful to talk about with people. Uh, because there are a lot of people in this room that would say they've been They've experienced the kind of transformation and healing that Jesus is uh, offered firsthand. So may we be willing to follow Jesus like Bartimaeus who shows us the way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the example of this man who had insight uh, even when he didn't have eyesight. God, we thank you for the things that he teaches us and shows us, the things that you're Uh, trying to show us through his example. May we who know who you are be persistent. Uh, May we ask for the right kind of stuff. Uh, May we follow you more closely. And God, we ask that you would use each of us who make that decision um, to help to change and shape and transform this world, to share your love in Jesus Christ with those that need it the most. Amen. Amen. Amen.